Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the advancement of teamwork, leadership, and culture. I'm your host, Greg Gregory. Excited to have you joining us here. We're getting into about our 40th episode on the Teamwork Advantage, and we've had some great guests, and that's going to continue with us today with Amy Lynn Durham. Um, If you're not familiar with the podcast itself, we are, as I said, focusing in on teamwork, leadership, and culture, and we offer you impactful ideas that you can put to use immediately. And so that's the exciting part about it. And it's not just teamwork ideas that you can use immediately in business. A lot of what we talk about here is transferable to our personal lives as well. So joining us today is Amy Lynn Durham, and she is the CEO of Create Magic at Work, as well as a UC Berkeley Certified Executive Coach. In addition, Amy is certified to coach the 21 skills associated with spiritual intelligence or SQ. Now, let's be clear, spiritual intelligence is not religious. We're going to get into that today and talk about that and how they tie together a little bit. Using SQ-21 assessment, as well as emotional intelligence practitioner, she has spent years in the corporate world successfully managing hundreds of employees for private and publicly traded companies. Create Magic at Work's intention is to offer spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence to energize and transform the workplace as an expert in building positive company cultures. We've been saying it for years. Teamwork involves people. It's not all about the science or the technology, although there is a science behind teamwork. We're gonna learn a little bit more about that with the culture today. Amy designed Create Magic at Work to bring a variety of services and strategies to aid in cultivating teamwork and harmony in order to improve profits and employee morale through doing the following. Executive coaching, coaching and debriefing the 21 skills of SQ21, facilitating creative management workshops and membership group, as well as transformative create magic at work workshops and virtual coaching sessions. And today virtual is the word. Welcome, Amy, Lynn, Durham to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is fun because I get the privilege to interview people who are doing remarkable things in the areas of teamwork, leadership, and culture. And so if we can get started, just a little bit about your background. We covered it in your bio on the introduction, but how did you get to where you are today? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a loaded question, (laughs) but I'll try to answer it in a concise way. So where I am today, I felt like there was a lid on my creativity in the workplace. And I felt like I just couldn't break free from that without going out on my own and following what my life purpose was. So I made a plan in my corporate executive job to leave my job in a year. And I planned how I was gonna leave my employees feeling, what I was gonna accomplish while I was in my position And what I ended up doing was 
that final year I was in my position, I sort of used my employees in a positive way to do these field tested activities to prove that elevating and skill building in emotional intelligence and in spiritual intelligence wins over pitting people against each other in competitive environments. And I wanted to prove that collaboration over competition wins and that connecting human beings together in a positive way uh, wins and it improves profitability and productivity. And I wanted to make sure I left on top in that way. So then when I went into the executive coaching space and re-injected myself from a different way into the workplace that I had these field tested activities to kind of stand upon as a foundation. That's key. And that's where I was going. You're not just somebody who has read some books and figured out what this is about. You are somebody who has actually practiced this in the um, corporate workplace and right. with success. So that that's key, folks. This is not just somebody saying these ideas are out there. This is someone who's actually talked about all of these ideas. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about SQ, spiritual intelligence at work. We, you know, I know IQ is, you know, what everybody thinks about is what you think. EQ is about what you feel. I don't know if I even totally understand spiritual uh, quotients, and I call it quotients, spiritual mm -hmm. intelligence. Yeah. So can you kind of elaborate on what it is, where it came from, and all of that? Sure. So <laughs> it's sort of new in the workplace where people are discussing it, and Frankly, I say this a lot and I also say I might eat my words later on, but I almost wish it wasn't called spiritual because I feel like people, like you said in the beginning of the show, people automatically feel like it's religion. Mm -hmm. So I want to make it clear that it's a faith neutral practice. And the way that I like to describe it is you get to SQ by way of EQ. So if you're someone that has practiced skill building and emotional intelligence, and you feel like you're pretty well versed in that space, you can go to the next level into SQ, which is spiritual intelligence. And there's a few definitions out there. The one I like to share the most is from the woman that developed SQ 21, the 21 skills. And the definition, her definition of spiritual intelligence is the ability to maintain inner and outer peace, regardless of the situation. Hey, let's say that again. That's important. Okay. <laughs> I, wanna, I, I love that. Maintain inner and outer peace. Regardless of the situation. These are specifically for the workplace. And Greg, I have to tell you, when you think about it, that's a tall order for us to rise to maintaining inner and outer peace, regardless of the situation. Oh, so absolutely. I, yeah. A lot of us have been in meeting rooms where maybe everyone looks peaceful on the outside, but there's a lot of internal turmoil going on. That energy still ripples out throughout the meeting room. And especially if you're a leader, it ripples out to your teams and your employees. Some of the data they're pointing to is 10 times over whatever you're feeling as a leader. And, you know, I'm not saying that you're gonna maintain inner and outer peace regardless of the situation 100% of the time <laughs> when you work on spiritual intelligence. But what I am saying is it definitely gives you tools and opportunities to grow in leadership skills that 
you won't find anywhere else. I think it's unmatched if you ask me. That's, that's fascinating. And you've said a couple of times through here that it was about at work. Can 100%. this be applied in your personal life too? I mean, can the concepts oh, yes. be applied? Absolutely. So what I like to say about SQ21 is it's deep inner work as a leader. You can't be afraid of taking a look in the mirror and working on yourself as a leader in an organization. And then I wrote Create Magic at Work, the book that includes all the fun team build activities that you can utilize as a leader with your team. So I sort of injected the fun on top of the deep inner work you need to do with yourself. So for example, talking about personal life, <laughs> one of the skills in SQ21 that I chose to work on for the entire year, for all of 2021, is to be a calm and healing presence. And because right. I scored, a, yeah, because I scored a little bit lower in that in that skill level than I wanted to. People that know me know I can get feisty. I came from a very competitive uh, sales uh, job and I'm an entrepreneur. So, you know, I can, I can get a little feisty and I'm like, okay, I need to work on being a calm healing presence. The minute you pick something to work on, the universe will rise to the occasion and bring you opportunities to work on that skill that you chose. So my point is be careful what you pick <laughs> because yeah. I didn't think that through all the way. And I've had many opportunities to practice the skill and I've failed quite a bit. And rather than beating myself up, which we can tend to do also in personal growth and development. You Entrepreneurs to, do that probably more than anybody else. Oh my gosh, it's tough. So it's, it's the recognition, the repair and the recovery. And then just, it's like going to the gym start with little weights and then you can move up to the big ones. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep inner work. It's tough stuff, but I make it light and fun with some magical tools. It's fascinating because you've actually taken the magic at work, mm -hmm. which is the fun idea. So I look at that as fun. And then you've embedded that into the science, if you will, and the hardcore work that goes with it to try and intertwine them to make them work. And I, I find it interesting because your presence here, just a little bit that we've been talking, is, is very calming. It's very relaxing to me. And that's something I need to practice. Um, I've often told people I have two speeds, full speed ahead, out of my way, and sound asleep. Uh, <laughs> so finding that calm presence, you know, I, I'm great at energizing, but trying to calm down, lower my blood pressure. So it's getting all those into play. So when we think about that, how does, how does one become a kind and compassionate leader? Because if, if we've come up, like you, you said in sales, I was in sales and real estate. When you're in that, you're in that competitive drive, 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 drive. How do you change and become more compassionate? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people confuse, you just have me thinking about a lot of people confuse being a compassionate leader with being an empathetic leader. There's empathy and compassion. Those two words are kind of thrown around a lot lately in the workplace. I saw a beautiful article from Ariana Huffington recently 
and it was talking about a gentleman in the workplace that took on all the work himself because he was, he was trying to be an empathetic leader to his team and help them have weekends off. Somehow through all of that, he ended up doing more work and working through the weekend and burning himself out. Now, a compassionate leader would not take on the work of others, but would understand the positions or the situations they're in and just listen and then maybe figure out ways to help the systems to make them better, but not take everything on yourself. I mean, there's a, there's a million answers I can give you, but this is the one that's coming up for me right now to, to share with your audience. And, and there's so many different skills that you would have to work on as a leader to really become that overall. And I would also offer that you're not gonna be that all the time. We're human. We experience all the human emotions, just like everybody else. So do not put yourself in a position as a leader where you beat yourself up if you fail because you set a goal. I think perfectionism is probably one of the worst things that runs throughout the that, corporate world as possible. That's the most overrated thing in the world. Yeah, It's overrated, a great to strive absolutely. for it as long as you realize you will never attain it. Yeah. In my book, um, one of them, I say, you know, one of the most powerful quotes you can say as a leader is, I made a mistake. Yes. And that shows I vulnerability. And that's key. We've talked about vulnerability a lot from a leadership perspective on the teamwork advantage. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to get super deep into the SQ21, I mean, one of the skills in the social mastery quadrant is making wise and compassionate decisions. How do I do that as a leader? And what it comes down to when you really start peeling the layers of the onion, it's releasing judgment. When you now, really get deep with it. Can you, as a compassionate leader, as you start to develop yourself in that compassion, mm -hmm. do you see or feel, or does it naturally through, excuse the expression here, osmosis, tend to peel off onto your team into the same mindset? A hundred percent. Like we just talked about in the beginning, the 10 time ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. So anything you do, you're creating that ripple effect within your organization. So if you're tweaking your behavior, the people on your team are going to start tweaking your, their behavior in that way. Mm -hmm. And so if you start approaching situations without blame or judgment, they're going to start approaching situations without blame or judgment. Let's get super specific. Let's say a situation comes up in a meeting where somebody was in charge of completing a project and they dropped the ball and didn't get it done. And let's say you're a leader that's sitting in the room and you start blaming that person. You know, I can't believe so-and-so, they always do this. How could they leave us just, you know, without this project done? I, that's so inconsiderate, this, that, the other. Okay, so now let's flip it to SQ21, making wise and compassionate decisions. Okay. Let's reframe it. Let's tell a different story because right there you're telling a story. You really didn't know what happened. So you're judging. So let's okay. stay curious. That's a big coaching thing, right? Stay curious. I'm curious. I wonder what happened. I wonder why this individual didn't get this project done. I want to reach out and understand. Maybe something happened in their life that if that exact same thing happened to you, you wouldn't have gotten that project done either. And then as you continue to do these team building activities that foster connection, understanding the humanity in each other, you have other people on your team that are going to step in and say, let me take the load off this individual because I understand what they're going through and we'll help out and come together. 
and then the team will do that. And that, not to just compare, but what you just said mm -hmm. is so powerful because I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, someone was supposed to come to my uh, home office here and do some work while I was away. And so I was out, I came back and it wasn't done. I walked in like, what? I needed this done. I wonder what happened. So I picked up the phone and I called, but instead of saying, what happened? I said, I'm just curious. Is everything okay? I noticed that you didn't get by today. And it's so good that I did because her daughter had been killed two days before in a drunk driving accident. Had I gone the other direction, I could have really damaged that relationship. And we've got, that's the, if I'm not mistaken, that is the compassion side you're talking about. Am I right? Absolutely. It, I mean, it all ties in, right? It all interweaves all the skills, but great way to paint that picture of staying curious. Mm -hmm. That's a very and then, good story and good example. Within the office environment, as they start to see you doing that, the rest of the team. So if somebody is struggling and they know they're struggling in a direction, the team will come together and do things and may not even involve the leader at all, or they may. It's, it's perfect because it frees you up to do your job as the leader instead of maybe micromanaging and checking on things. And then imagine how your team is going to behave with maybe their team and then mm -hmm. that team's team and how it goes down. They're going to stay curious. They're going to, they're not going to rush amazing. judgment. And you're going to have this entire organization that is reframing situations, staying curious, approaching situations without blame and judgment, which by the way, is one of the four communication principles from Dr. Angelise Arian. Um, she studied different societies all over the world and found that these four communication principles are what bring anyone together. And one of them is to show up and choose to be present. The next is pay attention to what has heart and meaning. The next is tell the truth without blame or judgment. And then the final one is be open to outcome, but not attached to it. Which by the way, that final one, is a great one to reference when you when you go out on your own as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people, I said, you know, be open to other solution possibilities. I've never looked at it that way. And I think it's, I love that mm -hmm. phrase. Yeah, be open to outcome, but not attached to it. Mm -hmm. It's actually one of uh, Deepak Chopra's seven spiritual laws to success in the workplace. He ties that in. It's called the law of least effort. And it's, it's uh, where you just like release your attachment to outcomes. You take responsibility for your part in things, but you release your attachment to controlling the outcome because who are you to know what's best? There could be something right. even better. Let's be clear. This is not something that you can just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to do this and be perfect at it. Oh my gosh. Never in your whole life. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted gonna... you to say that. It's... <laughs> I had a mentor by the name of Zig Ziglar for years. Oh, yeah. And Zig used to talk to me and tell me, you know, he says, and he says it in his workshops too, repetition mm -hmm. is the mother of learning. You've got to repeat things. And it's not just six times, it's 600 times, 6,000 times. It's the repetition that starts to get it. And that's so powerful when, you know, when he sat down with me at dinner a couple of times and was telling me that it was just the most amazing things in the world. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. because then then if you tie that into SQ, it's like, thank you for the lesson. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me this practice today. Yeah. Because now, I wanted to get better at this. Right. And you got to be thankful to yourself. And that is my biggest challenge is I put myself down so often. I've got to learn it's okay to pat myself on the back from time to time. Take credit for your, uh, your accomplishments in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've started doing something at the end of each day where I say three things that I have accomplished today. What were three things I actually accomplished? And then it makes me feel better. That gets me into the, the relaxed mode that I need to be in going into the evening. Yeah, that's great. That's almost tying it into like, like gratitude, like daily gratitude. Oh, for... and I do that in the morning. I do my yeah. gratitude, attitude of gratitude in the morning. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, and let's... imagine if you shared that in a group with each other, mm-hmm. what that would look like hearing, hearing everybody patting them like themselves on the back with their accomplishments in a group yeah. setting, the connecting yeah. there would be cool. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So let's tie this in a little bit because I think, I think you mentioned a little earlier, we, we mentioned the word burnout. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I transitioned to doing what I'm doing today because I was completely burned out in the mortgage banking industry. I've been doing mm-hmm. it for what, 14, 15 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And bottom line was I wasn't having fun and I was just burned out. Mm-hmm. So there are common things in being burned out, but I understand you have a special uh, surprise about burnout. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a surprise to, it might be a surprise to some still, but there's a, there was a huge research, um, done and Harvard business review put it out. And this was pre COVID. This is why it's so eye opening. And it was called the loneliest workers in America. And basically what they found in this research was that workload didn't necessarily contribute to loneliness and burnout. I'm sorry, to burnout. That loneliness contributed to burnout. So people feeling lonely and disconnected in the workplace actually left their jobs sooner. They were disengaged in the workplace when they were at work. And they they just, they equated the health costs to smoking 15 cigarettes a day, the wow. feelings of loneliness. And, you know, you talk about companies that want to measure profits. That's a huge cost. If you have employees that aren't engaged at the workplace, if you have people leaving your organization within the first six months, those are all costs. Burnout and turnover are key. Key. Now, I will add to that the systems that we have been placed in to work at need to be changed as well. And I look forward to a day where we aren't talking about how we burned out and how we recovered and how it's wrong. I want us to talk about burnout as if it never happens again, Mm -hmm. because a lot of systems that you go into, people still have those braggy, I stayed up all night. I let's grind it out, rise and grind, rise and grind, right? Ton of data out there that says rest is productive, but no one, everyone turns their head to that because it's not this competitive feeling And I almost want to say, you know, system that we've been put in, that we're operating in to try Mm -hmm. to rise to. And so, no, 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 it's right. I mean, if we go back to the word vacation, I mean, how many people have not had a vacation? 
Okay, but the word vacation comes from recreation. Recreation comes from the word recreate. And it gives us a chance. Um, we need to take breaks. And here's a challenge I'm noticing through the pandemic. Tell me if you're noticing the same is with everybody, not everybody, but a vast majority of folks working from home, they're eating worse, eating at their desks more, going from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting, and consequently their burnout's higher. Mm-hmm. Is that, are you seeing that in some cases? And are some places doing much better because they're really giving them the breaks they need? Yeah, so Zoom fatigue is real. And staring at yourself on a screen and then trying to pay attention here is real. And you're absolutely right. Going from meeting to meeting on Zoom is not beneficial. Also, you need your brain needs breaks. Like your nervous yes. system, neurologically, yes. you need breaks. So you talked, you just reminded me how you talked earlier about how you were go, go, go until you slept. <laughs> and that it felt a little bit more common healing here. Well, innovation creativity and inspiration come in moments of silence and space. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to have those moments and give those moments to yourself in order to thrive and grow. And organizations need to understand that because if they want to be innovative and if they want to be creative and be ahead of the curve, you've got to give your employees space to have that quiet, calm, rest, You'd be amazed what comes from that. But what happens is companies send out an energy that they don't trust their individuals. And then they just pack them with Zoom meetings all day because we need to make sure you're working or we're going to monitor your keystrokes on your keyboard or whatever. Yeah, whatever ridiculous thing that you do to a human in that way, Mm -hmm. rather than just trusting them to get their work done. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... There's so many places today that are working in that direction. The, the culture, like a Google and places where they, you know, they don't care when you work as long as you meet your deadlines that you have promised to meet and yes. communicate those deadlines. We've got to make sure we're communicating all that. Recently had a guest that talked about crisis communication and it's, you do not start crisis communications when the crisis happens. Communication has to start before that. And that, that's all tied into our right culture that we're looking at. Let's go into now a little bit on the emotional side, you know, emotional intelligence or EQ as we start mm-hmm. to get into it. We talked about the SQ. How can they mm-hmm. now become more emotionally attached? So if you, the way that SQ21 works is you can kind of envision it like Maslow's hierarchy, if you're familiar with that. Absolutely. So if you think of his pyramid, this is the way I envision that. The bottom of it for SQ would be PQ. That's your physical intelligence. Okay. The next, the next layer would be IQ, the I think. The next layer is EQ. And then the top of the pyramid is SQ. So you get to SQ by way of EQ. So And it builds, and that's the foundation behind the pyramid model part, is each one has to build on the other. Exactly. And you can use it in your day-to-day life or an overall life. So think about PQ when you're born, you need to learn how to walk and crawl and feed yourself. How are you going to access your SQ if you're working on that in general, right? There's exceptions. We're all human. I I think that's a phenomenal (laughs) analogy when you look at it that way, because people want to do it. But then if you go back and show them that, that example, I think is powerful. Yeah. And then day-to-day PQ, IQ, EQ, SQ, let's say you went all day without eating and you didn't sleep last night, well, your PQ's 
not there. So how are you going to access your higher self as a leader and really come from that space of making wise and compassionate decisions if you're hangry and you didn't sleep? So it's all layered there, right? Not only is it from the hangry of not eating, it's also, and not necessarily the hangry part. And for those not familiar with that term, hangry is hungry and angry at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's also, if we're not eating the right things, and I have noticed the days that I catch myself eating more junk food and then I'm not sleeping and then it, it's a spiraling effect. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I take a break and I take this good solid day and I eat incredibly healthy, you know, for me, incredibly healthy, not necessarily for some people. And then all <laughs> of a sudden I get more centered. Yeah, there you go. And now you've hit that bottom of that pyramid with the PQ and you can build and access your higher self, um, your higher self and S- and working on SQ is that place within you, as long as you believe there's a place within you that can operate from a place of wisdom and compassion and love, you can work on these 21 skills. I say you get to SQ by way of EQ, meaning if you've worked on EQ, you have some self-awareness of your emotions. You have an emotional management strategy where you notice if you're being triggered, you can do a breathing technique to open up the neocortex in your brain get some more creative ideas instead of just your amygdala being triggered. Okay. I've learned how to build connections and build a bridge with others. Okay. So you've worked on that for a while. Now you can dive into SQ, which in the adult development theory, most people sort of toy around with that in their mid thirties. Cause that's when they start thinking, gosh, what is my life purpose? What are my values? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. So. Cause you were talking about the amygdala. And that's, that's, I want to clarify. So people don't don't pick up on that. Mm -hmm. The amygdala is in the, um, oh, what is it? Not in the neocortex. It's in the um, limbic system of the brain. Right. And by being in the limbic system, it's also the part that triggers the fight or flight mechanisms. Yes. So if we've triggered that, all of a sudden we get anxious and we just, we can't make good decisions. Yes. And And you're, what happens is in the workplace, if you've, if you're in sales and you just close the biggest sale that you've ever had, you come into the office and talking to your support team, you come in there, you're going really, really fast. Or if you're a doctor coming out of surgery or something like that, or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're not on the same wavelength as somebody else. You are possibly triggering that amygdala response in somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that can just drive you absolutely bananas. Yeah. Because what it does is it exact it brings you down to exactly those options you just said. It's fight, flight, or freeze. So if you're triggered in the workplace, let's say you think somebody said something in a meeting that made you look bad, or somebody took a sale from you, or I, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. you're triggered right away. And so you're either angry, you want to fight, you want to run away, flight, or you freeze, and your nervous system is just frozen. If you do some breathing techniques and recognize with emotional intelligence, okay, I'm being triggered here. I'm in like what I like to call the red zone where you have no other options, but those three, let me grab my appreciation anchor. I coach people to have an appreciation anchor. Hold, let me look at a picture of my child. The brain cannot experience anxiety and gratitude at the same time. So you're going to push back on that negativity bias and you're gonna open up your neocortex to have more options creatively on how to react. Um, it's all biological because oh, it is. you're getting, yeah, you're getting triggered because back in, you know, 
where we came from, you, you're getting, you're stored in your nervous system. Like you were being chased by a lion, mm -hmm. but you're not really being chased by a lion here, but, but your body's reacting. Same. Exactly. Your body's reacting in that way. So. I'm curious if you've ever heard of heart math. I have not. No. Heart math. We had a guest on the podcast four, five, six months ago, talked about heart math. And it's an app on your phone and it clips to your earlobe and it actually gets the measurements going. And when you do exactly what you were just discussing, mm -hmm. take a moment, find something that brings you happiness and smiling, bring something of that nature. Okay. And you're, you look at that and you do the deep breathing at the same time. This app will actually show you how you're getting in more congruence with yourself. That's cool. Yeah. That's and. I'm one of those people who needs to see things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once I see them, then I can feel them. When I can feel them and see them at the same time, then I can put the seeing part away and I'll be able to notice it and feel it, which is what you're going to. There you go. Yeah. You have the measurement there for those that want to see the data behind it. That's right. cool. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, I was talking to him about this and his daughter uh, was in uh, I don't know, middle school uh, intramural basketball. And he went by one afternoon to watch her in practice and everything else and noticed that one of the girls had gone off to the side and just stumbled off the side, could barely walk, and they laid her down on the bench. And he went over and said to the coach, what happened? He says, we don't know. She just kind of freaked out and fell apart and fell down. They called the father, and she went ahead, or uh, my friend went ahead, and he knelt down with her, got her to do your exact exercise you just talked about. Okay, didn't have anything to grab that she could look at but asked her to think about something that made her positive. And she mm. said, my dog, but we just had to put my dog down. Mm -hmm. So he made her think about, do the breathing, and then made her think about the dog when they brought her home. She smiled within three minutes, she's back up running on court. Amazing. It's amazing at what the brain can do for you in that mm -hmm. aspect. So that that's that's powerful when you get into that. It is. And so yeah. that's, that's the emotional intelligence. So it, it is, ties yeah. our emotions, right? Mm -hmm. That's the emotional management strategy part of EQ, having a strategy, accessing the strategy when you recognize you're being triggered and, and employing the strategy and then not beating yourself up. I always say recognize, repair and recover because we're not going to be perfect at this, but as hey, long as we're trying. I want to make sure we get that one down. Recognize. Recognize, repair, and recover. I'm big into three R's. There you go, three R's. <laughs> of course, in the, in the navigational world, it means red, right, return. Recognize, repair, and recover. I'm writing these down myself, folks. Ah, that is so, so, so good to understand that. Um, you, you used a phrase earlier in, in our conversation that I, I kind of want to go back to a little bit. Mm -hmm. Collaboration wins over competition. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit of what you mean by that and, and, and go from there. So, by the way, I tend to agree with you 1000%, but I just want you to kind of go into it. Yeah, when you say that, I think like you can have healthy competition as mm -hmm. long as you're not pitting people against each other or using people against each other. And that when people have an overall unified goal that they're working towards, collaboration wins over competition every time because if you have an organization where if you have unhealthy competition in an organization you're going to create silos and you're going to create secret keeping where people are doing best practices that they may not share with each other 
because they want to win ultimately, right? So if you are a C-suite leader of an organization, you need to be really cautious of that because you're you're not going to be as innovative or as ahead of the curve as other organizations that are sharing information and, and rewarding collaboration over competition. And the biggest piece that fosters collaboration in the workplace is connecting activities and connecting human beings together mm-hmm. with EQ and SQ. Would you recommend then that in one of the things you could do, and this can also be a team building, is to, um, I want to use the term, rotate players on the teams a little bit. Uh, yes. By doing that, then you, you, you bring in ideas. So now all of a sudden, nothing is kept secret. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that an option? I think that's a good option. But I think the underlying foundation should also be that the people you're rotating are skill building and emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and ultimately spiritual intelligence. Yeah, that's that's all the that's yeah. all in the foundation. This other part can just be a tool to get you through those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to say I think it's important. I, I talk about the selectively data-driven executive uh, where they're just comfortable looking at facts and figures and PLs and things like that, but they're not comfortable being vulnerable in the workplace or maybe facilitating the beginning of a meeting where everyone shares a piece of gratitude and things like that. But those are the soft skills that you need in order for your organization to thrive. There's a lot of data out there that people that might be just more comfortable talking about facts and figures (laughs) are not looking at because they're not comfortable with it um, that show that these sort of soft skills create workplaces with less stress, with people that work harder, with less ego-induced drama, and and company cultures with high ethics, and people that really work towards your company mission. So. And when we've got all that put together, guess what we end up having? A high-performing culture. Exactly. That increased is- productivity, increased profitability, happy people. It's a win-win. There doesn't have to be a loser. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so true. It just, it doesn't need to be that way. But the reason why it is in some cases is because a lot of our leaders today are white men that have been in a culture where it's not safe for them to show their emotions or to be vulnerable. They were never taught. Exactly. And so it takes courage to step forward. I don't know that I ever saw my father cry. Ever. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's just, it's just, it was the way that it was. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult. And consequently, I tend to let myself be much more vulnerable in that f- area. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a really lot good. of information. Really good. I do love the expression you have. Beer after work <laughs> is not team building. Where did that come from? That came from me <laughs> because I was in the corporate culture. I was um, the only woman on uh, our executive team for years. And as a leader as well, you know, we always had expense budgets where we could go out and treat our employees. And I saw that that went to many dinners at restaurants and cocktails and things like that, which is totally fine. All I'm saying is 
take that opportunity that you rarely have with your people and bring some meaning and heart to it. So if you're going to go have a beer with everyone, have them bring, I recommend, this is a fun one and easy to do, have everyone bring their favorite inspirational quote or a passage they love and go around the group and share it and share why. And the more we share, the more we get to know each other. And as we said at the top of the show, I don't care who we are, we're a team and we are a team of people and we are living, breathing organisms. And we need, we need all that. Amy, we've covered a lot of material in the time we've been on here for a while, almost 40 minutes now. And it's just fascinating to know. I, I, in particular, a couple of things I still remember from was the inner and outer peace, regardless of the situation. That to me is just, wow, eye-opening along those lines. Um, if people want to know more about SQ21, how can they reach out to you about that? So you can just go to my website, createmagicatwork.net, and there's a whole SQ21 page, and you can just schedule a 15-minute chat with me, okay. and I'm happy Create to talk to you. Createmagicatwork.net. Yes. Get the .net part, folks. Okay. That's powerful. <laughs> and then, of course, I wrote down, of course, you know, um, recognize, not receive. That's recognize. Recognize, repair, and recover mm-hmm. when we've got something. Identifying the triggers are so key. We don't always get to the point we can recognize those triggers. Mm-hmm. Amy, it's been an absolute privilege and pleasure to have you join us here on the Teamwork Advantage. I hope you've enjoyed yourself here. I'd like to have you come back sometime. We can go into a little bit deeper down the line. That would be great. I had a great time. Thank you so much. You know, every week on the Teamwork Advantage, folks, we offer you impactful ideas that you can use immediately. And Amy has delivered on that today. There's no question. Until next week, remember that having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know that you're not average. So go out and make today an excellent and exceptional day. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.